And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. He is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley. Going, going, sold. <laughs> Another painting of Hunter Biden's <laughs> has been sold to our production staff, uh, which is interesting. Yeah, I saw that uh, the story. Man, we we just we just got a ton of stuff. Uh, you know, being being gone for uh, for three days. Yeah, man. Uh, I will say this: How was your sock hop? Oh, my sock hop was was really good. Good. good in, good. in fact, we'll go into it here in a little bit because oh, uh, I, we we there was there was some political talk. Oh, okay. I I never stopped this weekend. I mean, I just never stopped. Yeah. It was funny because uh, my sister said to me, she said, "You came in town, you never stopped." And I went, "I know." It's like I'm exhausted, uh-huh, yeah. uh, and and so we'll get to some of that because it. Uh, uh, I, I will say this: the I was confronted again by a couple of people who found out, you know, that knew I was a conservative or found out I was a conservative talk show host. Yeah, right. Yeah, and it was like you know we got into. I it was again it was really really friendly. Oh, so you're one of those. Go. Well, what does that mean? Yeah. And 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 I said, what, you know, what does that mean? And I said, and then we started talking about things. It means and, I can cast spells on you. So, well, you know, Trump Trump came up, and I and I just said, well, Trump's, you know, you may not like him, you may believe he's blunt, or you may believe he's this. And then someone said, well, he's a racist. I said, based on what? Yeah, based on what you've heard. Didn't know. Didn't know. Right. Did, exactly. There, yeah. But then, with a couple of women again this weekend. Who came up to me and said, "Well, I can't be a conservative because it's my body." Mm-hmm. And I said, "Okay, so you believe in abortion till birth?" And again, I got the same response. Well, no, absolutely not. I only believe in it until you know the third trimester. Then we shouldn't be. To, well, then you don't believe it's your body. Yeah, right. <laughs> so we got back into the same thing again. Mm-hmm. I had the women that I talked to again completely and totally frustrated. They didn't know where to go. And and the answer was almost universal. Well, you have to protect women. How? Yeah. You just right. said 
I said, your contract, you know, and I said, and I said, this is what I do. Because they were ask, asking, what do you do on the radio? What kind of conversations? And so I said, well, why aren't you a conservative? Knowing where they were going to go. You knew right. it was going to be the abortion. And I went, right, right. and I'm sorry, but I, I felt like I, I felt like I was taking advantage of them again. Because I knew where it was going to end. What gets me, though, is if you've been following since Sadat's decision, I've talked to probably uh, – Ten pro-choice people. The the majority were uh, were were women mm-hmm. on it, mm-hmm. and every one of them did not know and never actually think about this. We're talking about life. They say the life of the woman versus you know, and the life of the the the, the baby, and they haven't even thought that out completely. That's what really got to me is. They an issue that they claim is so big and they haven't even done a, even attempted to do any critical thinking of it. Yeah. And so that was really to me. That's I mean, I, I'm fascinated by the human mind that has such a passionate decision that you can excuse me, opinion that you can tear apart instantaneously and they are left completely befuddled. I mm-hmm. mean, completely befuddled. And that's where and I said, well, look. And it's like, well, I, you know, I, 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 but but we need to protect women. Well, fine. Then how do you do it? You just said you would not that abortion should be illegal while the baby is in the womb, which means it becomes life. And I said, you believe that the Supreme Court was probably like most liberals was like fascist and making law. I said just the opposite. They said. You need to make the decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the problem is you can't actually make the decision. You can't make it. Mm-hmm. And so you're emotional on one end, but that's the problem. The problem is you have defined life of the baby in the womb, and you're using a defense that you can't justify after I uh, cross-examine it for five seconds. And so that was fascinating. That was So I'm the, guessing you didn't get asked to dance. No, but it was it was all <laughs> it was all it was all friendly because I you know I I didn't know I you know like I didn't say it like I just said it on the air. Mm-hmm. It was more like, oh so you can't defend You started it, huh? with look. And I said I, and then I said I go, this is what because these were women that had never heard of me. And by the way, it was interesting because the as soon as I got to my family or family, my uh uh, high school reunion, uh, the first woman, you know, that when I registered said, my husband loves your show. We live in Tennessee. So I listened to WWTN. So. Oh, <laughs> it was like, it was, great. it was like, watch. It was, wow. So, um, uh, so as soon, awesome. as, as soon as I, 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 I walked in and most of the people who knew who I was know, know what I do. Remember 954 people in my graduating class. Yeah. <laughs> so, it was funny because you're walking around looking at name tags going, and it was okay. It's like, hey, look at name tags, and if you don't know the people, just admit it because nobody's going to be angry. There are 954 people. You walk by, you go, nah, I don't know you. Look at mine. Nah, I don't know you. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, in, in my experience, what, what I typically do is I set up a six-foot table with just me and then a banner with my face on it. And it says my name, Eric Harley. I get my Sharpie out. 
I That's just good. get I just get ready for the crowd, you know, mm-hmm. to I show up and ask for autographs when I should. go to reunions. As you should, you're that yeah. popular. Yeah, uh, yeah, and and so, but it was it was great. Uh, the the one of the greatest moments because I had uh, I had uh, uh, I don't know if she found me or I found her a couple of years ago on on uh, on on Facebook, but uh, uh, Andrea, who was the exchange student from Germany in our senior year, oh. So, you know, we exchange, you know, we, we've just said, I, I remember you. She goes, I remember you. And it was a great moment because I'm just, you know, standing there talking to somebody and I feel a tap in my back and I turned around and it's her. And, you know, she hasn't aged like a lot of people have, <laughs> but, but she, she and, I, and I looked and she goes, you know, Gary, Andrea, huge hug. And there is her, you know, husband behind her just smiling. He goes, she looks forward to this, coming to every single reunion. And she talked about the fact, she said, Germany's a lot different than the United States. And Germany's schools are different than the United States. Yeah, sure. And coming here was just one of the most wonderful times of my life. And, you know, being just for one year in that senior class. And so they come back to America all the time. They love the United States and, uh, and uh, you know, and loved, you know, the memories that she uh she had so yeah the family reunion was great dad was up man dad was dad was just uh we were afraid he you know he could he handle all you know the hours of the family reunion he was just great so the family reunion was great i will let you know that i did hold uh i i was and my cousin john uh we were the defending champions of the bocce ball last year all right and uh our team won again this year that's so it's two years amazing. in a row of two bocce years in ball, a row and i'll and i'll let you know that uh with all humbleness, uh-huh. I I scored the majority of bocce ball points on our team. But sometimes I'm, you just got to carry the team, you know. I, I got to you know. I you got to support, got to support the team. Listen, they're all good people, you know. But some people have talent for bocce ball. Some don't. It was it was great because yeah, I, what they don't know is you come from a a long line of bocce ballers. <laughs> you know, the, the best thing is, you know, I was doing as soon as I got in there, I went, oh, that's right, we won. I got I got to do some trash talk with my cousin. So I'm walking yeah, right. with my hands up in the air. We are the defending champions, and uh, we're ready for. <laughs> and it and was like you other folks, whatever, whatever, whatever it is you're going to play, we're playing bocce ball. <laughs> Clearly, y'all didn't show up to play bocce ball, and so to win it again, I'm like, wow, I get I get to trash talk for another year. <laughs> well, it was you did go a little far because before you uh, before you left, you did order a bunch of bocce ball uniforms. So I thought that was a little over the top. What would a bocce ball uniform look like? I have no idea. <laughs> well, I, I guess I guess shorts uh, that are high waisted with pants. Yeah, <laughs> with a yeah. belt, with a white belt, and <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or the one piece and... leisure suit with short <laughs> sleeves <laughs> and the white belt, the the uh, the attached white belt. But I did find out why people are ticked at airlines. Oh, yeah, I did find I did find that out. Now I've really had no problem for over ten years. I've talked about this. Mm-hmm. Problems finally hit. Oh, and the problem is, with all the technology we have, it doesn't work, and they don't communicate. Airlines do not communicate like they did even ten years ago before all the technology and apps came in. I'll give you very quick. What happened I'm at the family reunion, hmm. which would have been uh, Sunday night? It was about six o'clock. Okay. I get the notification that the the direct flight 
than I normally take. Because I don't like to take a flight back the same day I have to work. Right. That, that, that right. night that I have to work. Yeah. And this time, for some reason, American Airlines didn't have the direct flight back in the morning. So I had to go through Charlotte. Well, yeah. that flight was canceled. Hmm. And they immediately put me on a O'Hare flight. But actually, the O'Hare flight got me in 15 minutes sooner. So I'm like, okay, fine right. with that. All right. So both had assigned seats, and everything was confirmed, and boarding passes. And I'm like, okay, fine. There's no problem if I have to do that. I get in actually early. Mm. Wake up at 2.30 in the morning. I check my phone. I no longer have an assigned seat. Oh. And the original plane, which was an A321, Airbus 321, was replaced by an Airbus 320. So I'm just knocked off. There's, there's no. Even there, your plane was downgraded. Right, my exactly, my plane was downgraded. So that's the second one, the second mm. plane because of mechanical problems. Mm. All right. Yeah. Just for this. So, uh, uh, the um, so I call the uh, the number. Well, first off, I get uh, your reservation has changed again, and I got this the night before too. Your reservation has changed again. Again, here are all your options. No charge. Please use the app. The app is much quicker than calling. Well, mm. you go for your options. There are no options. Uh-oh. So they tell you to go to look at your options. There are no options. That's frustrating. Oh, yeah. So then you call. The wait time when I called at quarter to three in the morning was two hours. Wow. And they said, we'll call you back in between like two hours and two hours and 45 minutes. Well, I'll be at the airport by that time. Yeah, hopefully. right. So I go to the airport. Now, at the airport 10 years ago, even. The whether, you know, the gate agents, they'd yeah. sit there and they say, okay, yeah. you got this flight here. Okay, we can do this. We can do this. We can do this. Every one of them, we don't we do not do anything here. You have to do it at the airport that you go to. We can't wow. do anything. Well, why, why, do, why am I confirmed but don't have an assigned seat? We can't tell you, but it's probably because the plane is full. Well, then, can you put me on standby with someone else? No, we can't do anything at the airport there. You know how to take the reservation. You yeah. just don't know how to... Keep right. the reservation. And, and so the entire thing, I mean, they didn't even give me options. I used to get on the app options for the, a day later or, you know, two days later, whatever. They'd give me a bunch. No options for the flights. Mm. And then you keep calling. They, and when you every time you call, okay, let me see what it is here. I'm going to call now. Maybe they're, you know, the, the whole line isn't that bad. And it's like, we'll call you back. You don't have to stand, stand hold. And it was up to three hours then. Wow. Up to three hours. We'll call you back, you know, three hours from now. Well, I'm going to be on my plane. I'll be in Chicago already. You know, what what use is any of uh, of this to begin with? And then they, when you're calling, call, go, go to the app. Go to the app. You can solve all these problems with the app. You can't solve any of the problems on the app. None. Wow. wow. Not one. You can't yeah. get anywhere on the app. Yeah. I found a couple of things here recently, and I think they've changed a number of things. I don't know if it's for security purposes, but a couple of um, banking-related apps now it's you must go to the website on a laptop or on a desktop. They don't put certain features in the app anymore. And I'm wondering what's going I'm wondering if they're just changing uh, the nature of the apps uh, just because, I don't know, people, e- either the end user is, is not navigating properly, uh, they're, maybe they're redoing a bunch of apps right now. I mean, I went through two during the day yesterday alone. That said, in order to complete this function, you'll have to log on to the website. Wow. 
Well, then I when I by the time I get to the airport, that flight I'm supposed to take mm-hmm. has been moved back to a noon flight. Wow. And it's a noon flight because of maintenance problems there. Mm-hmm. So that's three pro, uh, planes out of commission. Wow. Then I found out from other people flying between Dallas and Fort Worth, there were a total of three planes out of commission going between Dallas and Fort Worth, which keep going back and forth. Right, so everything's right. being canceled. Right. Especially if you talk about between... Uh, O'Hare and DFW. Well, that's, I said Dallas and Fort Worth. I mean yeah. Dallas and and uh, and and Chicago. Yeah, three yeah. planes. Yeah, there are no planes that go between Dallas. I mean, because that's Worth. that's a very busy route. I mean, yeah, that's exactly. a nonstop route every day. And and so it was just, and people were, and and so uh, I went to the Admirals Club mm-hmm. and went to that agent, and they got me on. Uh, they got me. I was the first person uh, for uh, standby on the eleven o'clock flight, and there were like sixty people on standby. Mm-hmm. Mm, wow! And there was and when I went up there, I said, "Hey, I'm the first for I'm the first for standby." They go, "We've had one person that didn't check in. I got that one seat." Now that original flight that I was going to take that was going to leave Chicago at eight thirty and get into Dallas like mm. uh, eleven, mm-hmm. uh, that one still has not taken off. I've never seen where they've held the plane. It now it's supposed to take off at ten a.m. tomorrow. They didn't. They never canceled it. Wow. But it's basically almost... They just kept delaying it. They kept delaying it, and now it's delayed till tomorrow, 26 hours. Wow. Almost 26 hours from its original that's thing. That's insane. And, and it was just like... And, and so people have been waiting. I mean, it, that's what's frustrating is there is no communication. With all the technology, the communication is way worse. Mm. I remember the last time I had a... Uh, second last time I had a major problem. Mm. And you could still back then... You go, can't, I couldn't get anything uh, done, whatever, and I'm just going to wait for this plane, wait for this plane. I go, wait a minute, let me go down to U.S. Air. This is when U.S. Air was in Buffalo. Right. I went down, they would take the ticket. And I got on a plane, you know, I got on a plane back a couple times by using other airlines. But that they won't do that anymore. But there was no real computers, nothing like that. And communication was much better. Now they have all this technology, which is supposed to make your life easy. And all they do is basically tease you. You can do this by doing this. You can do this by doing that. And you can't do any, can't do a damn thing with yeah. all the technology that they have. Right, right. And they're promoting that you can right. while you have the problem. Right. That's what causes. Well, I, I know there's going to be breakdowns and I know there's going to be weather delays. Especially with travel, though. At travel, right. you're stuck in a place. Yeah. You're not sitting there at home trying to figure it out where, okay, I can, you know, and it's something where, well, I'll call them back tomorrow. You know? And right. I had that happen to me the other day. You can do all of these things on the app after I'd tried everything on the app. I'm like, nope, I'll stay on hold. 86690 Red Eye. Keep your engine humming in the heat this summer by keeping up with preventive maintenance. Think your PM is complete after your oil is changed? Think again. There's grease, transmission fluids, and gear oil to consider too. Transmission fluid, for example, prevents wear of gears, bearings, and bushings, protects against corrosion, and acts as a heat transfer fluid. You may not think about this every time you get behind the wheel, but as soon as it's not doing its job, you'll notice. Misapplication of transmission fluid can mean reduced fuel economy and abrupt or hard shifts if the static friction is too high. It can also cause sluggish operation at low temperatures if the viscosity is too high and leaking through seals if viscosity is too low. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio.
And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed, bargain hunting is back. I mean, bargain hunting's always been around. We always love a great deal. But man, everywhere you look, people are bargain hunting. You know, there's so many great ways to find great deals. Hey, I have a great find in your bargain hunting journey. Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CPREDEYE, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel6.com. That is a bargain. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara. And so that is the the one thing when I, you know, again flying, is the fact that all this technology comes in, and you still you're and and for example, from in my experience, American Airlines promoting you can solve this problem, you can get this thing done, you do this, you do this, and all you do is become more lost, and you have a complete yeah. lack of information with nobody right. to help you. Yeah, I'd rather get the bad news and know I couldn't fly to right. the next day. Right. Then they sit around and not knowing. Exactly. You're listening to Red Eye Radio. From the Uniden America Studios. And he is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara, uh, 86690 uh, Red Eye. So, uh, yeah, I like I said, I don't, I hear the, all the horror stories. You know, we talk about it, the horror stories that many people have when it comes to, uh, to flying. And I hadn't had any in like 10 years. You know, most everything was really, really good. This was the first occurrence. And again, I got in, when you actually think about it, I got in only a little over two hours later. So it didn't end up being a disaster for me. Mm -hmm. But what it was is just the recognition in your attempt to communicate when a company is telling you that, that this makes it easier for you and there's no solution, your customer gets frustrated, 
it's almost as if you're constantly being almost taunted by the company. That's the feeling that you get. The biggest killer of business is poor communication. Yeah. And and so all this technology and I'm, and it's most of the time it's great. I mean, I love the American Airlines app. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I haven't really had any problems, but when you when it happens like this and they keep communicating to you, here's how you solve your problems. Mm-hmm. And this is what you can do. And by the way, uh, yeah, your flight's messed up. Click here, and you'll have many different other solutions, and it's not going to cost you anything. And so you click there, and there's no solutions. Yeah. They don't. You know, you're telling me there's not a seat on another plane on Tuesday or Wednesday? Or th- I used to get everything. There was nothing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely nothing. And then you can't get Then Everybody at the airport now knows nothing. They can't do anything for you. Well, unless you go to the like when I was in Buffalo, mm -hmm. they don't have the American Airlines special agents there ready to help you. It's simply the people at the gate and the people when, you know, if you've got checked baggage, that's all they have. There are no other people to help you. And and for the last few years, up until recently, it hasn't happened the, the last few times I've flown. But for a few years, it was you would the day before maybe two days before, and then the morning of again. Hey, are you flexible? If so, let us know. And then we can, you know, we can determine if we happen to be overbooked on this flight and we can determine who was flexible and who isn't. And, of course, I'm never flexible. I, if, if I'm flying, it's usually for business. I haven't got that in about a year, and you get yeah, and, it, exactly. and, it's, and it starts at three or right. four hundred if you're right. if you're flexible. And, yeah, and, I don't get that either. And, and that's what they do. They they say here is if we need to do this, here are your possibilities of what could happen. We would uh, get you on the next available flight, and they don't. They often didn't get specific, but it could be up to this amount in you know uh, in, in in vouchers. So I don't know. When you looked at the, um, you know, you look at the hours of service for, for pilots. You look for you look at the the shortage that they have mm-hmm. of pretty much anybody in any position on a crew right now. And then you look at other regulations aside from hours of service that are that are just you know, when you couple that with equipment failures, you really you've got chaos. And summer is flying season for those who never fly. (laughs) You know? Oh, yeah. The families, you know, that are flying from, you know, back and forth, uh, kids going to see their grandparents, or if their parents are divorced, sometimes they're getting on a plane to go see their other parents, whatever it is. And so it just becomes more chaotic. It always settles down, you know, at the end of August mid-August, end of August, and it settles down. But you also see a higher, I'm guessing because of the heat, but there seems to be a higher rate of of equipment failures. It could be just that it's a busier season during the summer. And, And, you know, those are the only cancellations on equipment failures that I have had have happened during the summer. That, that could be just coincidence because I only fly five or six times a year. Mm-hmm. You know, so 
I don't know, but communication is key. Yeah, and, and that's that's what got to me, and and the fact that not not only the lack of communication, but the promotion of the fact that we're going to make this easy for you, and you have options, and and you don't have anything, you don't you can't talk to anyone until you actually get to a big airport like a hub, because mm-hmm. a lot of the smaller ones, you know, uh, if it's outside of Chicago or Charlotte or dallas fort worth they don't have designated you know personnel there to help you with your problem right and the people that used to be at the smaller airports there that would say okay i can get you on this and get you on this and i'll get you on standby and then you get on your flight and you're full of confidence i was going to chicago saying should i even be going to chicago why can't i go to is there something i can get out of philly can i go to philly or you know can i do i have other options here and I, there were there were no other options, and nobody would tell me if there were any other options or get me on standby just to give you that confidence. And that's the thing; it's almost like they're taunting you. Hey, okay, you've got this problem, but you can get this free, this free. We got you here, we got you here, we got you here. And then when you ask, well, what do I have here? I'm. <laughs> it's the first time I've ever had this, which is you're confirmed with no seat. Well, that probably means all the seats are sold, and you don't have a seat. Well, then why am I confirmed? Why aren't, why aren't I on standby? Why can't I jump to another flight? Why don't I have any other options? Why can't you give me three or four standby you know, solutions or get me on the first standby flight and then you roll over to the next one and the next one? Why am I stuck on this flight and nobody can do anything about it and I don't have a seat? Right. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> now it all turned out fine. I mean, two hours is nothing really, but that's where I was. And I'm not angry about it. I'm just recognizing because I just haven't had those problems, and I've heard so many other people have in the newspaper articles. And so when it happens, it's like, oh, okay, I'm definitely observing this, mm-hmm. and this mm-hmm. isn't good. A company, I, I, you and I always look at business models, yeah. and this would be yeah. something if I was CEO and I went through this, I would say, this has to change. Well, you, you need I don't care yes. whether you have to give negative information to people and tell them it's the next day to have them at an airport running back and forth between gates, having no idea what situation they're in, you know, for hour upon hour upon hour, overnight and everything. That's unacceptable. We need to get the people answers. Yeah. So, okay, communication. Uh, Back when I had cable, and I still have from a cable company, Internet service. When I call them, their, their phone system basically kind of set you up because to for as soon as the human comes on board they know exactly why you're calling they know what the issue is mm-hmm. they know what your account status is they know if let's say your service is interrupted something like this in in this case you know I, my question would be this with today's very intuitive technology if you called a number from your cell phone that is attached to your American Advantage account and number, there should be something that says to the person that answers that phone, this guy, this person has an issue. They were on this flight, and now they're not on this flight, and they're clearly calling about the flight. To prioritize that, because if you're going to have a, an incentive like the Advantage program, 
you know, frequent flyer things and, and you know, and they've link it, linked it to credit cards and everything else, then it should be more intuitive to super serve those customers who fly the most. I call, I have that number. Yeah. What is it? Platinum Pro is what mm-hmm. I am, which is one mm-hmm. level from the top. Right. And when I called it, 2.30 in the morning, quarter to 3, something like that. It was almost a two-hour wait. Yeah. Well, it was between, any, I think it was like one hour and 50 minutes and two hours and 25 minutes, we'll call you back. Right. Well, that's use, that that's not of well, any use to yeah, me at all. Because if and, you, yeah, and, they, right. and by the way, they knew, because the voice knew, we see there's been changes. You, we see there's been changes okay, to your flight. That answers part so, of my question. So they, so they knew that. The computer yeah. knew that I had... The problems and and what you're saying is that should be the one that should be prioritized. That should be prioritized. But then again, if anybody's up at two thirty, they're all doing that. Well, well, that's you know, I mean, I guess um, you know, the question would be how many in that, how many in that region, right? How many at that that particular airport? How right. many of that? And right. and is there a way? I, I don't know. Maybe there's not a what you would call a fair way. You and I are not fans of that word uh, to to prioritize, um, but. Uh, again, it gets back to, but it also gets back to the immediacy of uh, where you are in in your, you know, on flight day, you know, would, right? Because if you're calling right. at two thirty in the morning, that means you're getting prepared to go to the airport for an early flight. Exactly. I don't have, you know, there, you don't have two hours. <laughs> you know, your flight has been delayed, uh, and and. Look, that could also get back to the shortage of, of individuals. Yeah, it could. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. of of returning that that call. Mm-hmm. Uh, but communication is the key. And if those features are not available on their app, then you know what you basically what you needed at that point should be they should that tape be able to tailor that message to say. Unfortunately, this is not something that you can take care of on the app, and you'll have to talk to an agent about it, at least to let you know what to expect. Because if you're on hold and then, hey, you can take care of all this on the app, and you really can't. Yeah, you can't. Then it's, you know, that becomes, a, oh, again, that's and, communication. And the other thing is I've used it once in a while, and it's been okay. Mm-hmm. You know, the messaging service they have on your app, Right. it was useless yesterday, Yeah. completely useless. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and so when you have that kind of breakdown, and and. I, when we when and I think this is just a general conversation. And by the way, I'm overall pleased with the service I've gotten over the what twenty seven years I've been almost exclusively flying American. Mm. I just I think it's important to observe when something like that happens, which is something that many other people are experiencing. I was talking to a, a gentleman who was also with his wife waiting, and I said, "This is the first problem I've had in ten years." And he said, "I fly three times a month." I'm having it all the time this summer. Wow. Wow. And I'm like, wow, I just, I, I don't, I don't find that, like I said, I don't have those, those problems. But when it happened, then I went, I can only imagine if you fly a lot and you're going through what I went through yesterday, you know, three times a month, it's, you cannot be, you cannot be happy with the money that you're paying to fly. Well, because, it, because yeah, you're right. It's not just that you can't get answers. Maybe I'm overemphasizing this, but I don't think I am. When they tell you this is how this is where you get the solution, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, don't direct them and, there if, if, and, if it's not. And they're directing me constantly to dead ends. Yeah. That's frustrating. Right. It's already frustrating to the customer already because it wasn't weather yesterday anywhere across the nation. Weather was fine. Yeah. yeah. So then everything is mechanical. Mm-hmm. But that was the conversation there when I was talking to some people. They said, you know how many people? Planes are out now between Dallas and Fort Worth today. Then this plane was out. Remember, my Charlotte flight, that was mechanical. Mm. All right. Then mm-hmm. when I wake up in the morning, the the big plane uh, was replaced by the smaller plane because the big plane had mechanical problems, so mm-hmm. they shelved that one. Mm-hmm. Then the smaller plane has had mechanical problems for the last 26 hours. The one that replaced it had mechanical problems. Yeah. You look at that and people are all sitting around talking about that and you're not getting any answers. You've got a ton of frustrated people right there. Yeah. I'm looking at that and saying something has to change. What's in my power? Right. Well, right. Planes are going to break down at times and they're going to mm-hmm. break down at, at different, you know, what w- those things are going to happen. Like mm-hmm. they're rare uh, for what I experienced. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the fact is just. Give me an idea. Communicate with me. Yeah. yeah. You know, don't. And I know they're not, but it, it feels like they're taunting you by saying you go here for the solution and there is no solution. You just going down another rabbit hole. Right. Another dead end. Yep. So that's all. So I, I guess I could do my my complaining a little bit later on. It's not complaining. Actually, it's an interesting finding based on inflation. Oh, okay. And how companies are changing essentially what they offer based on inflation. Okay. It's it's right. a very interesting, I think, take. Okay. And uh, a couple of related articles over the weekend about it. All right. We'll do that following the top of the hour. Right. And I don't know where he's going. We yeah. haven't discussed this. So yeah. this, is, this is interesting to me. Yeah. So I don't care if anybody else wants to know. I want to know what you're talking <laughs> yeah, about. Exactly. 866-90-RED-EYE. <laughs> Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara. The Hunter and Joe Biden uh, uh, story, hmm, this is really getting uh, interesting with some of the uh, expected testimony from his business partner, uh, Devin Archer, coming out. We'll get to uh, that, plus Eric's inflation story. Shrinkflation. <laughs> Top of the Hour News is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. 
from the Uniden America Studios, this is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the world, 866-90-RED-EYE. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Coming up here on the show in just a little bit. Uh, Chairman James Comer today says that the Oversight Committee, excuse me, has evidence that the president in the past communicated directly with foreign business associates of his son Hunter Biden many times. Curious if the White House and the president still stand behind his comment that he's never been involved and has never even uh, spoken to his son about his so I've been, I've been asked this question a million times. The answer is not going to change. The answer remains the same. The president ha- was never in business with his son. I just don't have anything else to add. She just changed. She, yep. ga- she gaslighted there. Yep. That's the first time yep. that I know that she has not said that the president has never spoken to right. his son about his right. business. Right. That was a two-part question. She only answered one part. Mm-hmm. And that was a continued gaslighting. So we'll get to that here in a little bit because with Devin Archer testifying this week, his claim is Hunter Biden put Joe on at least 24 times to chat with Hunter's business associates. It's just every day. It's just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And, you know, the other thing that the, uh, the, uh, uh, the, they had, uh, what was it? The, uh, Oh, was it the Pittsburgh uh, office mm. of the Department of Justice mm-hmm. had uh, had verified uh, a significant portion of that FD uh, FD ten twenty three, and and uh, I mean it's just every every day stuff more stuff comes up. But before we get to uh, uh, that here, which we will just momentarily, okay, you got an inflation story. Well, it's interesting because uh, we had this three day weekend, and I had just a little bit of travel, um, but. Uh, not, you know, not extensive. I wasn't on a flight or anything uh, on, I wasn't in, 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 uh, flight hell like you were. <laughs> oh, it was, <laughs> I, it was, it was mental. It wasn't uh-huh. flight. Cause I was only yeah. two hours late, but yeah. it was just, it just made me appreciate what other people are going through. More sure. Often than I right. Cause you hadn't, you hadn't run into those no, issues before, but, um, we hit this place. It's, uh, it, 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 no need to bring up the brand because it's actually happening across all brands, apparently. Uh, we order something off the menu at the drive-thru, and we get it. Uh, there are some key elements based on the name of the item that aren't on the on the uh, product, aren't on the sandwich. So I go back in, you know, I park, I go back in. Oh, yeah, they're supposed to tell you we, we don't have any of those right now. But let me see, uh, you know, what we can do. So they tried, the manager was trying to remedy it. And then I go back out and then realize there's another very key ingredient to this sandwich being the turkey that is almost non-existent on this sandwich. I'm thinking, okay, what in the world's going on here? I didn't have time to go back in and address this with the manager. It was like, okay, fine. I guess I'm just having bread. So it's called shrinkflation. <laughs> when I was traveling uh, recently and I was in Iowa, hit another massive brand drive through and got one of their breakfast sandwiches. Very, very clear that they're downsizing the products. 
And I at first I'm thinking, well, maybe it's just me. I don't have a food scale in front of me. So, but man, this is definitely, this is smaller. And sure enough, they've been following this. The media has been following this. I don't do a lot of fast food. It's usually only when I travel. So I don't do a lot of restaurant uh, 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 patronizing. I just don't. I just don't have it. You know, my schedule's different. Uh, my family goes through a restaurant a lot more than I do. Then, and I'm just usually around the house unless I'm traveling. And I and that's when I noticed it. So this started, and it started actually. There was this, you know, this uh, heated. Uh, discussion and reviews from Yelp and then the mainstream media. This goes back to last summer. It's been happening for over a year now. But then the media looking into it, it's actually happening, and they call it shrinkflation. So the portions are downsized. The sandwiches, in some cases, are smaller. Some of the elements on the sandwiches are changing. They're not offering certain things on the menu because they put them beyond the price point of what they think their customer, their main customer, is going to afford, what they're going to pay in terms of the value. I went through, uh, this goes back, what, a few weeks, and I talked about it. Went through and ordered uh, two items, the equivalent of two sandwiches, basically, and a soda. And at this place, normally it would be somewhere around seven or eight bucks. And it was $13. And I was like, whoa. Not that I can't afford it. It was like, seriously, is this the, is this the value? Is this truly the value menu anymore? And it wasn't. This has been going on apparently for about a year and a half. Uh, there was a couple of stories. Uh, the New York Post has had a few stories on this. The Washington Post had a story on it. New York Times has done stories on it. And they're calling it shrinkflation. So here's the conundrum. The There's a there's an increased cost. I, I read, a, by the way, a, a story in the Wall Street Journal when it comes to inflation, why the Fed isn't very excited about the recent drop in the rates of inflation because too many economists believe that that is not going to last. That's something we've talked about, and that's labor-related inflation. You have to incentivize people, you know, in a greater way to get Mm -hmm. them to show up. And that apparently is what's happening in part in these restaurants. It's not just supply chain issues. Uh, That's a huge problem and has been for a couple of years uh, and, and can be a problem even outside of COVID. But for well over a year, inflation is hitting hard. And it's, you know, obviously they're going to pass that on to the consumer. So they're going to give you less for the same amount of money. And I started noticing sizes then in the grocery stores. So you go in and then it's like, okay, this used to be the size of the product that you would get. And it's everything from eye drops to uh, chips to uh, cereal. And even the store brands, the generic brands, are doing the same thing, where it's basically buying less for the same amount of money or buying less for slightly more. And I I looked back at some of my receipts because when you order online, 
and you order delivery, uh, they keep a, an entire history of what you've purchased and what that exactly what it costs. And sure enough, the sizes are coming down and the prices are still going up. And I just thought it was interesting because, look, that's how inflation works. Except for the fact that you're not going to see that. I mean, you're not going to make commercials. Hey, you're going to get less for more money. Uh, that's not going to happen. They're not going to do a campaign on that. But that's exactly what's happening. And then that Wall Street Journal story over the weekend, why the Fed isn't overly excited about, and that's, I'm, I'm paraphrasing the title of the art, article here, and it was a, a fairly short article, maybe due to inflation as well. <laughs> we can't pay you, we can't pay you enough to write a full article. Just do a half article. And it demonstrated that a lot of the analysts are looking at this labor cost-related inflation, something you and I talked about months ago, and labor inflation is real, Uh, and something that they call, they also call um, the, the real rise in interest rates, not just the... Uh, what the monetary policy is going to be and and what the Fed sets, but also where the banking institutions measure risk and apply that to interest rates. They call that, uh, in part, that's real interest rates, what they call real interest uh, inflation, basically, on that side of it. It's a very interesting and... and, uh, it's a it, it's a I, I won't say frightening, but but certainly sobering look at where we are and where we aren't right now when the administration still totes this whole Biden economics. And, you know, he's out there, you know, saying everything's great. It's great. It's great. It's it's really not. Well, I think what they're trying to do is shore up their base. Yeah, they're not convincing independents they are not convincing right. Republicans. That's a way that, OK, he's being strong. The economy isn't bad. Good. He's out there fighting. Mm-hmm. I think that's more of what that is. Mm-hmm. I, they don't buy it. Right. <laughs> but you, it's interesting that you brought up the whole uh, labor inflation. Uh, I got into a discussion uh, at the family reunion with some of my my uh, my my cousins, and it was all a good discussion. Mm-hmm. So I was they they're conservative, but you know they were we we're talking about the workforce and everything else and illegal immigration. And I said, you know, what we've always talked about before. And I said, and Trump said this. You know, when the whole Jim Acosta fight happened and people remember when he was kicked out, I said he was talking about the fact that, you know, we can't continue this economy. We can't grow a three percent economy unless we have legal immigration. Yeah. Now, now, illegal immigration is not good, but we need to bring in uh, legal immigrants, many of them who are qualified to do the job. This is Trump saying this because people think that Trump is and that was the point he was trying to make. I'm not against this isn't a racist thing. I'm for immigration. Right. I'm not for illegal immigration. Mm-hmm. I'm for legal immigration that benefits them and us. Right. Yeah. And yeah. and so uh, Wall Street Journal, you know, because you and I and, and I get into the discussion, I said, and it was interesting because I think my my cousins and a few others that you just don't think about it. You're like, if you don't have labor, companies will move. Mm-hmm. You've got to have labor. And we don't have it. We don't have a baby boom anymore. We're, we are not ever going to have a baby boom like we had post-World War II. Right. That's not going to happen. Right. 
and we had women into the workforce post-World War II at the same time that we had a massive baby boom in order to have between 2 and 3% growth. That's what was needed at that point. You yeah. know, this whole yeah. thing that there's going to be, that AI is going to be taking over. I mean, we're always told this for every new technology. I mean, in the Industrial yeah. Revolution, we heard it yeah. 150 years ago. Right. That with now nobody's going to be able to find a job. And they find out, well, no, we need people to support all this. And what we need is higher technical knowledge, skills. We don't really need a lot more gender studies degrees. Yeah, I think we're and, good on those. And there it is right here, uh, Wall Street Journal, America's Choice, Immigration or Bust. By 2040, the U.S. could have 6 million fewer working-age people. And in this discussion, you know, you and I have had it many times before. Yep. And Trump said it. He said the American people don't want any immigration because they've been so disgusted with illegal immigration. Right. And well, But the fact is we're going to have to have it, and that's the uh, the the point here. The U.S. has a people problem. The birth rate has been sliding yep. for yeah. years. Yeah. It's about to translate into a shrinking labor force. By 2040, according to a study out this week, Americans could have more than 6 million fewer working-age people than in 2022. The only way to counter that domestic trend is by attracting workers from abroad. If you can't get cheap energy, that's why we believe cheap energy should be available, companies will move to where they can get cheap energy. If you cannot get uh, you know, cheap, uh, when I say cheap, I don't mean... That you're not, if you can't get less expensive than you can elsewhere around the world, uh, energy, natural resources, labor supply, those are all things that companies will move for. Well, and that's it. We have been the most productive workforce on the planet uh, per capita uh, for a long, long time. But when the demographics shift, there was an analyst who put this together uh, toward the end of last year and said that 2023 was going to be one of those monumental shifts in the labor force in the U.S. because of the aging demographics and the fact that there weren't enough of the younger demographics with experience in certain roles. And it actually came true. It was a, it was one of those years, or this is one of those years, where we crossed that threshold where we have more people heading into retirement well, companies look out and say, all right, we need the people that have the experience, and those are the older folks. And it there is this huge gap. The problem with that, too, is, of course, Social Security, Medicare, and who's paying in, who's collecting, and everything else uh, on that side. But it really is, and, it you know, the assessment, the final assessment basically came to be, if you still want to work and you're getting close to retirement age, it's a good time for you to work because you're going. To, there's going to be a demand for your type of experience uh, or for your uh, level of experience. And that, that is the case right now. We'll talk more coming up. 866-90-RED-EYE. Surviving and thriving as an owner-operator has just as much to do with managing costs as it does with generating revenue. Like the chief financial officer of any company, you have to be concerned about rising costs, especially without increases in revenue. Trying to reduce costs, let alone make sense of them, can be a complicated task. Understanding basic principles of operating costs can save you thousands of dollars a year. A penny saved could be $1,000 earned. Saving just one penny per mile over 100,000 miles driven annually will deliver $1,000 to the bottom line at the end of the year. 
Owner-Operator Business 101 is provided by Shell Rotella with advanced synthetic technology. For more information, go to OverdriveOnline.com to the Overdrive's Partners in Business section of the website for more detail on Business 101 and many other topics. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. Turn on radio. He's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara. So just reading this here, because uh, we were just talking about labor and labor inflation, which is which is going to hit, and then mm-hmm. eventually a shortage of labor in the United States. We're already seeing that there's a huge mis- mismatch, yeah, right. of uh, of jobs. And Wall Street Journal covers it today. The domestic trend lines aren't good for two big reasons: the declining birth rate is one. Mm. The other is baby boomers are living longer and aging out of the workforce. Anyone imagines that a shrinking population, anyone who imagines that a shrinking population is pleasant should spend some time in Japan and Italy. As these countries are finding, decline means fewer people to produce goods and services as well as less innovation. Even China's communists now admit that owing to their pursuit of a one-child policy they now face, as Milton Friedman predicted, uh-huh. a huge worker shortage that will challenge economic growth. Yep. And, you know, so we've always talked about this is a challenge that's coming in. As they point out, though, they said the American public just doesn't want to hear anything well, about legal immigration because no, of no. the mess at the border now. Yeah, and, right. And, you know, and, and we had talked about it. They hit, they go, they did say here, let me just see here, it goes, uh, and Donald Trump's talk about the wall and Joe Biden's chaos at the southern border. It's hard to imagine any solutions from Congress before 2025. What they're forgetting is Donald Trump. And this is where the Wall Street Journal is wrong here. Because Wall Street Journal is saying all the, uh, the Donald Trump's talk about the wall. The wall is to keep illegal immigrants out. Right. Yeah. Trump was blunt and clear that he believes that because of the growth rate that we have the potential in the United States, if we unleash the cheap energy that we have today that we will need legal immigrants because we don't have women coming into the workforce like we did post-World War II, and we are not going to have a baby boom. It's easy to understand because all you have to do is understand business and what drives business. Yep. And if you don't have the workers, the companies will eventually move. Yep. Eric Harley uh-huh. taking your calls. 1-866-90-RED-EYE. And he is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. And so uh, I guess the tightrope you have to walk is 
when it comes to, as you, you're talking about labor inflation, is the fact that Americans look at it and say, well, uh, if you have less, if you have fewer people looking for jobs, the wage rate will grow. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, the first thought is, no, we don't want any uh, legal or illegal immigration. Right. Yeah. Well, that's OK until you get to the point where the companies say, all right, we don't have the workers. We just can't do it. Yeah. Right. We don't have the workers and we're paying way over for the workers that we have. Mm. And then they decide to move. Yeah. And that's the point. And in this country right now that is skyrocketing, wishes to skyrocket the cost of energy, mm. uh, wishes to support industries and that that uh, the raw materials for that industry, for the energy, come from our enemies... You know, it's the the last thing people are thinking of is, okay, let's bring immigrants in. So we are almost everything that we do in the United States when it comes to the economy right now under Democrats and because of what Democrats have done at the border that has soured people yeah. on any type of immigration, we are doing everything wrong. Yeah. Right now we're doing everything wrong. We're doing the opposite of what we should be doing in this country. Yeah. And it's sad. Well, you know, what's interesting is that for the longest time, we have had a, I would say, a heavy dose of uh, protectionist culture in the U.S. And most of it had to do with trade. But a lot of it also has to do with migration. People coming to the U.S. legally. It's been going on for a while. But if you think about that, you know, the, the type of policies that, that we have are based on the mindset of the, the rank-and-file individual. No one remembers the day that uh, Jim Acosta got thrown out of the media room, talking to Trump. And Trump was saying it repeatedly. No, we want people to come here legally because all the jobs we're creating with the booming economy. Nobody focuses on that. If the media focus had been on that, I wonder what the result would have been. Probably some pushback. I would think pushback from, from Trump supporters. Uh, yeah, yeah, against yeah. Trump saying, no, 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 yeah. you were the guy that built the wall or, or wanted to build the wall, and we're not looking for more illegal immigration. That's what he said. And if you look at, you go back to the 2016 debate season during one of the questions about um, visas, work visas, and he said, no, 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 I'm changing, I'm changing. And we said, well, don't say you're changing on the debate stage. Just say, I actually, uh, you know, after analyzing a, a number of dynamics with the economy, believe that we need to increase legal immigration. Because he he flip-flopped on that. He did. It was three, back and forth. Three times in, in like two days. Yeah, it was like, I think we measured it 36 hours. Yeah. 
36 hours between right. statements and it, it went from one to the other and then back but that's just because of the because of illegal immigration people have soured on legal immigration and, and he felt that pressure right and and that's if there had been that same pushback of that question or the back and forth with with Jim Acosta on that day had been focused on that statement by Trump we want more legal immigration then I think there probably would have been that same political uh, pushback. I agree mm-hmm. with you on that. And but but we are you know we we are protectionists. We you know and I think probably every I don't know most Western nations are to some extent. Hey, wait a minute, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold the door. Wait a minute, not everybody gets to come in just yet, and that kind of thing. Uh, both on on trade, but also the movement of people in and out of our country, uh, especially coming in legally. That's always going to be problematic because also there's been a huge generational slash cultural shift in terms of having large families. When you're a young nation, you there is this, you know, and you always hope for this population boom. That's the whole point as you look to grow a nation uh, there is this drive to, you know, uh, uh, for uh, incentivizing larger families through sometimes government policy even. And we've seen that until recently. Well, if you let's look at the states, for example, it's, you know, when you when you see what's happening to Florida and Texas, they are the biggest states with inflow of people. Yeah. Uh, from other states. Right. They're the ones that are growing. Right. So there's more competition for there's more labor competition that exists out there. But you have an expanding economy. Mm. And and so you have uh, a place that people want to come because that's what we're talking about here. We're just talking about how economics works and 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 the fact of whether it's you know uh whether it's uh in country you know immigration to different states leaving one state going to another mm-hmm. there's a reason for it and the states that are losing population are losing economic growth yes and so we see it i mean we see it on that level the state to state level mm-hmm. but we somehow view it differently from you know our country versus other countries when it comes to free trade and the labor supply through legal immigration. But I think it's just because the country has soured because of the mess over the last 50 years. Yeah. Yeah. With illegal immigration in this country. Right. Right. Where it's just pure chaos at the border and, and the American public doesn't trust anything the government will do if if the government comes in and says, oh, we're just going to do this legally instead of illegally, that we're going to solve the problems. Well, America looks at it and says, American people, and say, you can't do a damn thing right. You're not doing anything right right now. You're the same people that are telling me that we can run the, the entire grid on solar and wind. You're saying that we can add 300 million electric vehicles and we have the electricity for it when right. obviously right. any idiot in basic electrical, you know, electrical science knows we don't. 
right. or electrical engineering, we don't have the ability to do this. You're committing economic you know, suicide. So we don't believe you there. We don't believe you here. We don't believe when the government has no credibility every time they say they have a solution, even if it may be the right solution. And the Democrats aren't talking about the same legal immigration that the Republicans would have, by the way. Mm. But when they say that they'll take care of it, nobody believes it. Well, so let's pair those two. Uh, where I ended with the 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 fact that we're just today's generation is not having kids. We're just not no, as a not. nation. We're not. Nope. Because we have indoctrinated a couple of generations worth of kids. This doesn't apply to all because nothing does. But to a large extent, it does exist. We've made them feel guilty for being human and existing. How? Why in the world would you dare bring more humans into the world? You're killing the planet. The sensibilities change when that happens. There are other dynamics at play. That's not the only one. But it certainly is paired with this uh, delusional thought that we can run the world on wind and solar. It's paired with, with everything else that, from climate change, that is just hammered over and over and over and over and over into the brains of these young people for a couple of generations now. And it's everywhere, but it's especially in pop culture. Everywhere you turn, celebrities are basically preaching at them, these young individuals, making them feel guilty. Well, you wouldn't dare have a family large enough to require an SUV, would you? And you've got something that looks very bleak. When it comes to an expanding economy, we're not setting ourselves up for anything else other than failure. Period. It is the very recipe you need for an implosion of the world's greatest economy. Everything. It's on the table right now. Yeah. We're doing everything wrong. Yes. We're doing the opposite. When they when they tell you we're about building a better economy, what they're at everything though is posterior backwards. I almost said the word. Mm-hmm. Uh, but everything is posterior backwards. The border is secure. Yep. No, it's not. We can run the, the world on solar and wind. No, we can't. Uh, the world's doomed because of climate change. You've been telling us that for 50 years, and not one of your predictions, the catastrophic predictions, have come true. And as we've always asked, when they've been wrong for 50 years on every major, you know, uh, ap- apocalyptic uh, uh, projection that they've had, when do you stop believing them? Or right. do you, is, or is this well, a fear? Go ahead. We... Racism is now anti-racism. Mm-hmm. Anti-racism is now racism. Everything they say is the opposite of what it actually is. Well, when when it comes to climate change and everything that's going to destroy the economy, when do we pull our heads out of our asses? I almost said posterior. Okay. You said the A word. I, I, I thought I would sound like I was raging if I said the A word. Eh, not, not necessarily. 
if I'm going to use it, if, I, if I'm going to talk about the butt, I'm going to use the most sophisticated word I know. I did, too. <laughs> Eric Harley. Then our vocabulary is different. Yeah. There you go. Our, voc- our vocabulary sensibilities are different. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's our age difference. <laughs> I'm an old man, and I use old words. <laughs> 866-90-RED-EYE. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. In Toronto Radio, he's Eric Carlin, and I'm Gary McNamara. You know, we were talking about, uh, you know, uh, inflation and, and just uh, the, the upcoming uh, labor inflation that mm. we're seeing and we're still going to see, which may keep inflation high. Uh, but uh, Jared Bernstein was on the president's economic guy yesterday on uh, Fox, uh, Fox mm. News, or I think we're on Monday, two days ago with on Fox News Sunday with Shannon Breen, and she was just great. Mm. Ready for this? Yeah. All right, here we go. Look, gas, here's a good way to think of it, because we've had rising wages and falling prices. A year ago, if you pulled up to the pump, you could get five and a half gallons of gas for an hour of work for a middle-wage worker. So you pull up to the pump, it takes you an hour of work to get five and a half gallons. Now you get eight gallons for that hour of work, okay? So that's that's a 40-plus percent improvement. Okay, but let's talk about where we started, because when he took office, it was 239 a gallon. Now it's about 360 a gallon. So we're still in less than two years in a worse place. So it depends on, yes, it depends. I mean, it, it depends on what your benchmark is. So- <laughs> no, it doesn't. Well, if you're super wealthy, I mean, that's well, basically what he's saying. Well, I guess if you're super well, wealthy, well, it no, doesn't. No, I didn't take that. That wasn't the benchmark I thought he was talking about. The benchmark I'm, he's talking about is it depends if you're looking at the entire equation, if that's your benchmark, or you're just looking at the equation we wish to look at, which is it's come down a little bit because inflation's coming down, the inflation that we caused. Yeah. But we're not talking about that. We're just our benchmark is just looking at this small focus. Your benchmark is looking at the entire problem. Well, well I, I don't know. I don't know what he meant by it because it was it was That's off the mark either. It. Yeah, it was off the mark yeah, either way. Yeah. Because if you're talking about and it, it doesn't matter, this is this is the one thing that we have said over and over again. Inflation affects everyone. Everyone. And Elon Musk doesn't feel it like we feel it. I just logged on to the uh, artist formerly known as Twitter, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) I went to Twitter. I go, X. 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 I don't want to. Well, Mark's a spot. Okay, so. Wouldn't it be funny if he added two more X's just to freak you, everybody out? It's triple X now. <laughs> Calm down. Um, but, yeah, yeah, it's just, that's just ridiculous. Well, it depends on what your benchmark is. That doesn't even apply here, man. You were trying to, the benchmark you just used, she destroyed. Oh, yeah. That's what it comes down Thanks. to. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. 
Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America Studios, this is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, 866-90-RED-EYE. He is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Welcome and good morning. Download our Red Eye Radio app today and listen when and where you want, if you can't listen live overnight. So, uh, I did meet uh, a couple of people over the weekend that explained to me that they had... Over the last couple of years, especially with COVID, and this is this is really interesting, have become now they they all live in New York, <laughs> so I, I might have to. You can't You're, leave that you out. Temper the expectations, right? Here. They they right. or the fact of what they went through in New York as to where you might have gone through in other states. Oh, okay. Uh, during COVID, all right. but uh, all have become conservatives. Wow. Met two people. It was really, and it's like, really wasn't involved in politics at all. And now just totally into politics completely. Hmm. And they both said to me, hmm, maybe it's, maybe it's a product of growing older. Yeah. And, and, yeah, I can and see that. the interesting thing is one of the people was like, we started talking and everything else. He said, Hey, you know, can we exchange information? I said, sure. I started giving him my name as he was printed out. He looks at me and he said, We've met before. I said, how do you know? And he said, I've got your phone number. <laughs> ah. And he's a friend of a singer of mine, somebody who's very close. So I, and I've been following her for 30 years. And he was at this little show that was going on, outdoor show. And so I knew he was a fan of her. And so I'm sure I met him years ago at some, you know, one of the times where I've seen her. So it, right. it didn't, yeah. I, I figured it, I figured it all out. But it was all right. like, whoa. Yeah. Uh, all right, before we get to the Hunter Biden stuff, which really is getting interesting now, <laughs> just very quickly, there was a story over the weekend uh, about those uh, two professors, Harvard mm-hmm. Law Professor uh, Mark uh, Tushnet and San Francisco State University political science scientist uh, Aaron Belkin, who uh, penned an open letter to the Biden administration on popular constitutionalism, also known as a dictatorship. Uh, to uh, what to uh, to respond to what Biden has called not a normal court following high-profile cases. They said, for example, uh, the Supreme Court gets it wrong on affirmative action, therefore Biden shouldn't pay attention to the Supreme Court. They get it okay. wrong on college loans, therefore Biden shouldn't pay attention. He should just do it anyway and ignore the Supreme Court. They believe that all constitutional decisions should be made by a Democratic president in office. They believe in a dictatorship. That's the beautiful thing is they were so blunt in it. It was like, wow, Mm. they believe in authoritarianism. They believe in a dictatorship. They believe in fascism. Thank you for coming out with that letter to Biden. Yeah, well, at least they're admitting it. And the other thing that I did find out, I told you that I'd met a couple of people on the, the, the left, and it was the uh, abortion issue, among other things, that came up. The Democrats that I met, the liberals this weekend, are completely clueless on all issues. They really don't know anything that's going on. They know bits and pieces. They know yeah. rhetoric. They know yeah. talking points. It really is amazing 
Mm-hmm. The, and and again, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that they're indicative of all liberals, but the two that I met over the weekend, completely clueless, have no idea what's really going on and don't really care to know what's going on. And as I mentioned earlier, you just take a part of an issue and they hear a phrase and they stick to that phrase. And you get in-depth into it, and you will completely confuse them within a moment. And then they get angry at you. Yeah. And and that's yeah. that's where the Democratic Party has become right. Uh, uh, right now. I did ask both these people. They, you know, because the one had said to me, well, the Republicans are just so insane on the issues. I said, what issue? Couldn't tell me. Could not tell me. Hmm. And again, brought up the abortion issue, which then again, it was, well, you know, the, the entire thing that... Uh, well, uh, because they, they want to interfere with a woman's body. And, I, of course, my response has been since in a number of times that I've related on the air with the pro-choice women, well, then fine, then you believe in abortion till birth. Well, no, 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 just to the second trimester. Well, then it's not about your body. What? Because you're saying that at some point you believe it's a life. And then you're, you do not have control of your body at that point that the child has to come into consideration. So what you just said there, you just contradicted yourself when you said it's about the body. Well, well, uh, something has to be done about, well, it's not a radical position because you believe the same thing. You believe the exact same thing that the people that you're criticizing believe. You just have a little bit of a different time frame. Hmm. And I said, you know, that's the that's the problem that you have, and you get all frustrated. Well, somebody has to solve it, yet you can't even, you can't even have a coherent thought in your own head. And and I, I don't mean to insult the person, but they, they're not having a coherent thought. Because for me to be able to tear that part in five seconds means they never did any type of critical thinking on the fact that their major belief that they're promoting for everybody, they actually don't believe. Well, they're armed with somebody else's debate points. And when you do that, when you arm yourself with somebody else's deba- debate points, you clearly haven't done that. Mm-hmm. You haven't had a thoughtful approach. In terms of what you actually believe, if you're saying, well, I believe it's a woman's body, you know, on, on abortion, but that's where you stop, then at that point, you've, You've taken someone else's. It's not even an argument. It's a point that they try and make in the argument that you can't back up because it really isn't what you believe. If you believe at some point there should be a line when it comes to abortion. Right. And the, the one of them that, that I was uh, uh, talking to, I said, so. So you don't actually believe that it's a woman's body. Or you do up to the point that. The fetus is a human being. Well, probably most people would agree with you on that. Now define when it becomes a human being. That's the difference. So it's simply defining, is that a radical thought? If somebody believes, now you are you believe, can you tell me specifically why the second trimester? Couldn't get an answer. Mm. Couldn't get an answer. Well, because it's more fully developed. Well, there then why is it incredibly radical to believe that it begins at conception? What is your scientific proof at your point that's different from the scientific point there? And, yes, she was getting a little bit frustrated at that point. I said, hey, I'm just, you ask what I do on the radio, this is what I do. We tear things apart. This is what we do. 
And then that's when I hit the Supreme Court. You know, you believe the Supreme Court's radical for their position, right? That they're making law. They didn't make law. They went back to you and said, you can't even figure out what you want. And you want us to make the law? You right. need you need to figure it out in your own head. You're a citizen of the United States. The citizens of the United States who are elected representatives have to figure out and define life. You're asking us to do it. Don't throw the fact that you can't figure it out on us and that we throw it back on you saying it's not up to us in a constitutional republic to figure out when uh, when, when life begins. You do that as a nation. That's up to you. And that's what the Supreme Court. So so the Supreme Court didn't make law. The previous Supreme Court did. They said you get to decide how is that radical in our system? Right. Couldn't answer the question. And she did say at that point, I'm going to have to listen to you. <laughs> yeah. The other thing I brought up is you want radical. I said, do you believe that a biological male can be a biological female because they say so? And she looked at me, well, you know, and I said, do you believe males should be playing sports against females? Well, no, 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 I don't. I don't. They do. Every one of them does. Every single Democrat in Congress does, except Joe Manchin. They just voted on it last week. Mm -hmm. Of course, she didn't know that. She had no idea of that. Right. She didn't know that even happened. And then I said, and I said, so understand that if you believe that a biological male can be a biological female because they say so. And do you think that's wrong? She goes, well, I know some, uh, uh, you know, uh, I know some people and I know some psychiatrists that, you know, have interesting thoughts. That's not my point. I'm not denying that people don't believe that. I'm not denying that there aren't men that believe there are women. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of people that believe a lot of different things. That's not my debate. My debate is, does it make them a biological woman? And she wouldn't answer the question. And that's at that point where you're like, man, it's easy. To, you know, it's easy to well, argue. But but you, but you, I didn't, con even though I had all the facts, I didn't convince her on anything. She still will hold the same opinions. I guarantee she'll use the same De de debate points tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day it didn't matter there's there there is in liberalism there there is no even if i wasn't a talk show host if that's how prepared i was to argue i would feel shame well there's no there's way, no there's shame no, there there is no there's, way to do a, a a an argument there is no way to do uh to have any any debate whatsoever, any thoughtful debate whatsoever, based on just re repeating something and not backing it up, mm -hmm. not explaining yep. it. And then I got to I said, "You want insane? The president and the Democratic Party believes you can run the entire grid on solar and wind and add three hundred million new electric vehicles. That's impossible to do." She goes, well, I'm not really an electrical engineer, so I really don't know. I said, yes, you do. Yeah. You don't need to be an electrical engineer. Can solar panels produce power at night? No. Can windmills produce power when the when the the wind is down? No. There's your answer. Right. That's why it's insane that they're promoting that this is the new energy tomorrow when it isn't a consistent form of energy. Right. 
And there seems to be greater abandonment on this idea, the long-term idea, the more people talk about the uh, the plentiful resource of hydrogen going forward. Long-term, they know. Because look where are all yeah. of the, the marks set for the mandates, 2035. By the time we get to 2035, the mining on hydrogen, we're not going to see this happen overnight, by the way. I'm not trying to make the point that hydrogen is going to replace it to the extent we're going to have the infrastructure and everything set up. I don't even know that that's going to happen in my lifetime. We're talking long term. When we talk about going from transitioning, we were talking about the economy and everything else that applies here. And the whole climate change thing absolutely does, because it really is about a, a grab for the larger, a, a large chunk of the, the economy. And, and that's exactly what they want. We as a nation have never moved from one uh, 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 massive source of energy to the next, except for to do it out of creating a greater efficiency. Yes. We are doing quite the opposite here, but now the talk of hydrogen has ramped up, and you see that even those that were promoting solar and wind are coming out going, well, we can't do solar and wind because we don't think that we'll ever be able to mine, even if they got the battery technology right. Mining for those batteries is impossible. Right. And and for those who didn't know, we did an extensive state segment about two weeks ago. And thanks for the yeah. number yeah. Uh, about the, the potential of mining for hydrogen. Yeah. That there's yeah. so much hydrogen because the problem has always been. How do you produce the hydrogen? Well, right, electrolysis, right. you put more power in than you get out, so that's right, useless. Right, right. So what do you do? Well, there's natural hydrogen they have found out in many places underneath the earth. Right. And and uh, the amount that will last thousands upon thousands of yep. of, of years. But right. it's the it's you know, the mining, the get the you know, the getting it out, mm-hmm. the the mm-hmm. storage of it, which has to be done. You need a tremendous amount of power because of the cold that you need for the hydrogen. Mm-hmm. But it's the fact that there's almost a limitless supply of it. So we're talking about using <clears throat> fossil gas. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. I just like saying that. And so, yeah. so and and so we we looked at the and and so. When and we don't get it as much anymore. When this first came out, well, you guys are against any progress. We're not. No, no. I you want know. cheaper and more plentiful. Yeah, I've got solar little lights around my house. They're mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. You know? Now they wouldn't be so great if I lived in a place that was cloudy all the time. I have a solar tanning bed in my backyard. <laughs> so do I. Yeah, yeah. It's a chair. Nice light, and it only cost me it's like seventeen bucks on right? sale. Yep. The yep. lounge chair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I don't think either both of you are right. I mean, I may get some sun because I swim or golf, but I just I don't remember the last time I said I'm going to lay it out and get a tan. And I know you don't do that. <laughs> I spend so much time outside normally yeah. that I I just yeah. in the summer that I don't I wouldn't need to. I mean, either way, I'm not taking my shirt off. That's not going to happen. <laughs> I don't care if there's no one around to see it. I can see it, and that's all that matters, actually. Well, I don't care what other people think. I know what I think. I take my shirt off because the water's around it when I'm in it, and so yeah. you really can't see. It sort of it sort of diffuses the light, and yeah. so 
if I'm just in there and you see my head is like, well, well, he's swimming. He must be pretty, must be pretty much of a stud. The other so. day, uh, I actually did. I had to change my shirt in the backyard, and I heard this, put your clothes on. And then I realized it was coming from me. I was going through the air. I was going through O'Hare yesterday, just walking through. Just, and I include myself in this, but it's the old saying where I went. Uh, I think it was uh, Seinfeld, you know, how many good-looking people are there. And it was like 12% or dateable people who meant good-looking. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm walking, I'm going, I'm like, you know, we're not really an attractive species. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's not 12%. It's, it is not 12%. It's not even close to 12 Not even close. 866-90-RED-EYE. <laughs> Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara. This is uh, Kevin McCarthy. Uh, yesterday, you ready for this? Speaker of the House. All right. Okay. I believe we will follow this all the way to the end, and this is going to rise to an impeachment inquiry the way the Constitution tells us to do this, and we have to get the answers to these questions. Whoa. When the Speaker of the House says impeachment inquiry... For the Republicans, and it's Kevin McCarthy doing it now. Yeah, yeah. You know, you and I said last week there was a major change last Wednesday and and uh, really uh, was it, yeah last Wednesday and th- was it last Wednesday or Thursday or the bef- week before? I can't. Remember. I think it was last week. Actually, was it last week? Yeah, okay. I think it was, I think it was yeah. Monday or Tuesday. When was the it Monday or Tuesday? Impeachment oh, thing started to ramp up. It was Tuesday and Wednesday then is when it was. Yeah, yeah. And and you and I just went whoa, they're taking it to a, the Republicans are taking it to a different to a different level now and they they seem to have a lot more confidence that they've got a ton of stuff meanwhile like the white house on friday came out and said uh, oh uh, you know these things have been debunked years ago like from the from the 1023 mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. haven't been no i mean it's an absolute lie and that seems to be all oh, these are all just conspiracy theories and things that were debunked years ago or there's just nothing there uh, and I, I believe I'll see if I can find the audio cut from uh, Jonathan Turley, where he said Democrats are panicking. He said, if you noticed last week, yeah. and it's the same thing yeah. we said, yeah. they never addressed any of the they never sat there. For example, they'll come out and say these things were debunked years ago. Which ones? Right. They won't get into the minutia. And if right. they really believe they were debunked, they would say that was debunked. That was debunked. That was they're just throwing out the generic thing. They're panicking right now, and we'll get to this here following the bottom of the hour. But now, from what has come out from the uh, New York Post uh, and others, and that's the fact that uh, Devin Archer, uh, Hunter Biden's former business partner, will uh, testify under oath this week that Hunter Biden put Joe Biden on the phone with his business partners at least two dozen times. Wow. That's a problem.
You're listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. And he is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690-RED-EYE. The other thing is, Eric, is the the media, and you, we've seen a number of articles, I think we brought up a couple last week, that's saying, well, after the 100 thing's over, Republicans should just drop this, just drop this, because there's nothing really going on here. There's nothing here. They have nothing. This is just about Hunter. Leave the president alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is uh, 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 Margaret Brennan on, on, uh, on CBS on Face the Nation. Uh, with uh, with uh, Chris Christie, right? And yeah, and it's like she can't even get an agreement out of Chris Christie with this one, and he's like, "No, we don't drop this." <laughs> Here we go. There are so many legal issues uh, in this campaign, um, and I want to ask you about one involving the president's son, Hunter Biden, who's going to appear in court this week to plead guilty to two misdemeanor tax charges and will enter into an agreement that could avert conviction on a gun-related charge. Um, The deal has infuriated many congressional Republicans who are holding their own hearings. And I wonder, after this plea happens, if you would advise your party to move on. No, I wouldn't, Margaret, and here's why. Um, It's the conduct here by the U.S. attorney in Delaware um, and by the Justice Department, it it just can't be justified. It doesn't take five years, Margaret. As you mentioned, I I was the U.S. attorney in the fifth largest office in the country for seven years during the Bush administration. It does not take five years to, uh, to investigate two misdemeanor tax counts and to dismiss a gun charge. Um, And we need to know what they were investigating and why these are the charges they concluded to. This is not just any person. This is the son of the President of the United States. And while justice... Uh, oops, just had a problem uh, with it. Give me one second, and we'll be get back to it. Here we go. What they were investigating, and why these are the charges they concluded to. This is not just any person. This is the son of the President of the United States. And while justice needs to be equal, it needs to be equal. And it doesn't appear to me that this is the way to do it. And I would say one thing on the gun charge. I mean, this is a case where Democrats yell and scream for more new gun laws in the country. Yet you hear no Democrat yelling about the fact that Hunter Biden intentionally lied on his gun permit application, mishandled the gun after he received it with a false permit application mm-hmm. and faces absolutely no penalty. Guess what? The guy. By the way, just I'm stopping just for a second here because watch her go. Uh huh. Uh huh. Like she wants to get through this. Yeah. Right. Okay, here we go. Yeah. Who sponsored that wow. law was his father, Senator Joe Biden, and that's that charge carries a 10 year sentence. Margaret, mm-hmm. um, we need to explain. They need to explain to yeah. the public why that was done. So no, I don't think it's time to move on. <laughs> she wants. She keeps interrupting. It's like she. No, she was like, trying to move on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the thing is, too, you notice how she prefaced it, because you can look at the gun charge and you can say, OK, the gun charge has nothing to do with Joe Biden. Everything else does. Now, Chris Christie didn't bring that up. Why wouldn't you why would you want to just let this thing go and not fully investigate it? Because all the Hunter Biden tax stuff leads directly to Joe Biden. Yeah, right. And and that's what Chris Christie didn't say. And you notice how she simply said, well, this is all about Hunter Biden, you know, Hunter Biden alone. And no, it's not. No, the gun charges, the rest of the stuff, the reason that the Republicans are suspicious of what the Democrats did is not just because he's the president's son, but because it leads right to Joe Biden. Yep. Yeah, it's you know, the there is. 
uh, there should be absolutely no will to let this thing go uh, by the GOP because uh, many of us believe that the president is compromised currently. And it needs to be fully vetted and discovered whether or not he is. Now, the one good thing is when I saw over the weekend that James Comer says he does not want a special counsel appointed, just like us. Exactly what we said. Now, when you had the one whistleblower last week said this demands a special counsel, you and I both said no. Because what you do is you bury it if you get a special counsel for the next couple of years. The special counsel needs to start his investigation today. He needs to put the group together, and we're going to keep everything quiet, and we would hope that the Republicans would stop their investigation so it is not viewed as partisan and a blah, 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 blah. I realize I didn't need to keep going on. Everybody knew where this where that ended, right? Right. And and so it's like, and he just said, no. Uh, I have no confidence in special counsels. I have no confidence in Merrick Garland to appoint an independent, credible, unbiased special counsel. I think we're making a lot of progress in our investigation, so we're going to continue to uh, plow forward. Every time you hear, and you're going to hear this now, because I think the rhetoric is going to continue to grow and grow and grow from from Democrats. It grows until they finally say, we got to abandon this guy. The evidence is too much. But what you're seeing is, again, there's nothing here. Everything's been debunked. They won't tell you what's been debunked, though. They won't get into the minutiae. And in law, the minutiae is extremely important. The yeah. minutiae is yeah. whether you broke the law or didn't break the law, right. whether it was a bribe or not a bribe. And and so they... they uh, they, you know, that's the only thing you're going to hear from them uh, consistently. So Demo- Republicans need to do what they've done all along, which is different from the Democrats going after Trump. And yeah. this isn't pointed yeah. out enough by Republicans in the way that we're doing it, which they should be doing. We would advise them to follow, to give us a million dollars for our political uh, analysis that you will follow. And if you pay us handsomely for it, we'll give you more because we can be bought. Yeah, you said uh, a million with M. It's billion with B. Oh, you're up to a, that's right. You went up to a billion yeah, a couple yeah. of years ago mm-hmm. for your for any type of political consulting. Yeah, and so you you because you look at it, it's this simple with bot with uh, with Trump, everything was an accusation with no evidence to back it up. Right. Even the assignment for Mueller, the special counsel on Trump, was go see if this happened. Right. Right. They didn't there wasn't like a crime where they said, go look into this. Right. Well, you see right now where you've got uh, the whistleblowers, the the one whistleblower. I, I can't think of his name right now. Uh, the the sec- whistleblower X. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nothing to do with Twitter. Right. Uh, but, <laughs> but he said, you know, he's a Democrat. He's a right. loyal Democrat. He said this demands a a a, a special uh, special counsel. And we have said no. Why? Because the difference is, well, but but he said a special counsel, but the evidence that we have now, originally, if you're going to go for a special counsel, you would go for it because you have identified what the crime is. Right. The crime yeah. is based on the evidence and what the FBI has, the 1023, a bribe. Biden took right. a bribe. And you have the F, the FD ten twenty three. You have witnesses, and you know you have witnesses. You have a paper trail. You have the LLCs. You have suspicion of money laundering with the with SARS. 
the the uh, oh what do you call it? suspicious activity reports that are produced by banks and given to the Treasury Department. Mm-hmm. That's the difference between all of this. And we've repeated this a lot of times, but it needs to be repeated. They just said Trump colluded with the Russians to hack the election. They didn't have the evidence. The only evidence they had was a dossier. Nobody knew where that came from. And what we found out, that was all something manufactured by the Hillary campaign, colluding with the Russians to do it. Yeah, right. And, you know, that's where we are. This is all based on hard evidence. It's based on, and the hard evidence is, Hunter Biden's own laptop. Yep. Uh, people that worked with Hunter Biden. Mm. Uh, and the FBI and the Department of Justice and what they had investigated and have attempted to cover up, which right. is a 1023, right. which lists the actual bribe and also the SARS report, as we have said uh, uh, before. Full of witnesses here. And hard evidence, money transfers, wire transfers, Hunter's own laptop, his own emails. Yeah. That's the problem that they have. And so when they say there's nothing there, nobody pays attention. Even the public doesn't. And I think, who was it the other day who said, look, the public knows. That's the problem. The public understands. The public, the public is taking the Republican side on it, which is yeah, they believe yeah, the president right. is corrupt. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a Ziegler who was calling for Ziegler, the, uh, yes, yes, the um, was, yes, yeah, the special counsel, and and you know that's the the concern that we had. We had mentioned that even before Ziegler had testified, the talk of a special counsel. In fact, we saw that quite possibly as a way for the administration to shelve it. That would be a defense move. Uh, the administration assigns a special prosecutor, and the special prosecutor takes three years with it. And then issues a report to the attorney general. And the assignment would come from the current attorney general, Mayor Garland. That's not, that isn't justice, especially when it's believed that Mayor Garland has covered repeatedly for this president. Then the, a couple of bombshells this weekend, the FBI told Weiss it already had uh, verified part of the Biden bribery claims mm. in the 1023. Mm. Yeah. And that's why they they sent it. We've verified a, a lot of this. So the, And they gave it to the Delaware. They gave it to Weiss and said, okay, go with it because here's what we verified. And then it just disappeared. There was nothing on it. Mm. You haven't seen anything uh, on it. And the other thing is coming up this week, the testimony Devin Archer is going to give to congress right right uh as uh andrew mccarthy writes here the federal appeals court recently rejected archer's appeal he was a business associate with hunter biden for his uh, 2022 conviction in a 60 million dollar fraud scheme the name hunter uh the name of hunter biden archer's business partner came up in the evidence but biden was not charged in the case arthur archer faces about a year in prison in addition to tens of millions of dollars in fines and restitutions uh, his predicament has given him incentive finally to cooperate in investigations of the Biden family of cashing in on Joe Biden's political influence. Nevertheless, uh, we have seen uh, with the data from Hunter Biden's laptop, relevations by the FBI informant who had direct access to top Burisma executives 
financial records, and other witnesses who may come forward. It may not be difficult to corroborate Archer's testimony. That's a problem. And then he goes through everything that could corroborate Archer's testimony already, that it's just another person, uh, you know, coming forward uh, on it. So, I mean, it is, I think the headline is, the noose is tightening. Here, yeah, the noose is tightening on it. And that's just everything that came out this week. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then when McCarthy came out and said impeachment inquiry, wow. At that yeah. point, I went, okay, they believe they have the evidence to convince the American public now. And the, the evidence is, when you think about it, is so incredibly overwhelming at this particular point with the potential of what they have, because we don't know everything the Republicans have or well, what they're looking into. That's either. exactly what we have been saying about established uh, establishment Democrats, who many of them have known about this uh, behavior by Joe Biden for a long time. There's a reason he wasn't offered up as the candidate in 2016. There's a reason why his former boss was the last major endorsement he got in 2020. Not the first, Barack Obama. There's a reason. And they, the problem is, those establishment Democrats don't know what the GOP has. They don't know everything that's about to come out. And it seems like every week now there is something pretty uh, sizable that is dropping. We know the framework of everything. Mm -hmm. We just don't know the specific amounts and how they were, if if and how they were filtered to Joe Biden. Right. And, and as we have said we, from we the beginning, know. it's about the money trail. And once they have right. that money trail and it's lined out, if they get it, it's over. But you don't need the money trail to Joe Biden because if Joe Biden was using his influence to enrich his family and not himself, oh, sure. Sure. there on, is no... On an, on impeachment, right. yes, there is, yes. there is, yes. there is no, there is no difference, right? Uh, even legally for a bribe, but it would never mm-hmm. get to court. He would be, right. you know, mm-hmm. he'd have to give up the presidency, right? Uh, I doubt you, you know, like it, you ever, it might, it might though, because you've never seen a scandal like this, right? Ever, right? And and it's not something that he did while he was president. Well, he still compromised while being a president because the perception is is still there. But who knows where this would go in the legal system? Yeah. 86690 Red Eye. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio toll free at 86690 Red Eye. Radio, he's Eric Hurley, and I'm Gary McNamara. So when I, you know, we played some of these audio cuts, and he's Eric Hurley. Uh, sorry, I forgot your name. Sometimes I forget my name. Okay, just I apologize for that. I, I, I wouldn't worry about it. My mind was working too quick to get to the substance. I didn't even catch it. Not that you weren't the substance. No. I think I'm digging a bigger hole. Is it near? Whew. I can get out of this here. Uh, but <laughs> I just wonder... We don't feel it here because we're in Texas, but I wonder if there's a sense of panic in D.C. from the politicians and the yeah. media, too, mm. that we're complicit in covering all this up. Mm. 
This is Red Eye Radio on West. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. And he's Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Welcome and good morning. You know, even though everybody's still reporting that Devin Archer is going to testify this week, you know that they had hoped to bring him in yesterday, and he right. did, and he said he said no, mm-hmm. and so now they're trying to now they believe they're aiming for Thursday. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I guess we'll see where it goes from there. Let me ask you this: mm. is it is it not that he doesn't want to testify, or he's trying to get the Republicans to bring? pressure to lighten his sentence if he t- I don't know how they could do it because, so I don't know what he's looking for yeah, because yeah. they're not a part of they're not a part of the the uh you know the the court on this but what would he be what would he be negotiating for with congress nothing there's nothing actionable there's also nothing in that's in the reverse of actionable, which would be to lighten his sentence. I guess you could reach out to prosecution and say, if we help bring light to certain other things, does that give us, while testifying here, does that give us any leverage with you? I don't know how that would apply. I don't know. I've never, I'd never heard of that kind it, of. It's agreement. funny because that was one, one, just one report, uh, you know, that was out there. But I'm reading from 15 hours ago. This story mm-hmm. came out after that tweet. Yeah. That because uh, this came out at 12:45 p.m. when that tweet was at 8 a.m. Hunter Biden's friend to tell Congress. Then Vice President uh, Joe joined dozens of Sun's business meetings via phone report. So I mean, that's the only story I saw was that little that tweet that appeared there, and then Breitbart had. Yeah. Oh, okay. I see them. But then he had voluntarily uh, uh, agreed. Fox News Digital has confirmed Archer has been subpoenaed by the House Oversight Committee and could testify as early as Thursday. So there you go. All right. So that would that would explain that would explain all of it. Uh, Miranda Devine, New York Post columnist and Fox News contributor, reported Monday that Archer is expected to tell the House Oversight Committee about meetings. He witnessed attended by both Biden's Hunter and Joe, either in person or via telephone. During the meetings, Hunter would specifically introduce his father to foreign business partners and prospective investors. Archer is expected to testify. The House Oversight Committee subpoenaed Archer to speak as House Republicans continue to investigate whether the Bidens used influence, uh, use the influence then Vice President Biden had in the White House to elicit these deals and other alleged Biden family corruption. The committee told Fox News it believes the president communicated in some form with Hunter Biden's business uh, uh, associates. Andrew McCarthy was writing in his column yesterday, which he wrote late yesterday, too, after that one that uh, story had uh, that one story had come out uh, where he said they're going to be able to corroborate his story with other evidence, too. 
right. we are looking forward very much uh, from hearing from Devin Archer and all about all the times he had witnessed Joe Biden meeting with Hunter Biden's overseas business partners when he was vice president, including on speakerphone, the committee said in a statement. Mm-hmm. But if I was Archer, I'm just talking about if I'm let me put it this way, if I'm Archer's lawyer, I'm working for any type of influence that the Republicans can give to the court, right? Certainly you are. and, and, and But I, I don't, don't think they know, have any. Well, they don't. Okay, yeah. I mean, look, uh, so in one direction they can give criminal referrals, right, if they believe yeah. uh, someone has, has violated the law, they can send that over to the DOJ. I, I don't know. Look, I, you know, behind the scenes, there, there might be something, uh, and and but I've never really heard of this being, you know, played out. We've never really been in this situation before. Uh, and and I don't know if his attorneys might go to, you know, straight to prosecution and say, listen, uh, he's going to give us some testimony here. And we see this as not only, you know, with the information he's going to provide, uh, you know, cooperating with Congress, but we want to also see this as cooperating with with prosecution here um, and so that prosecution can learn more about the case as just a gesture of goodwill. Well, I, I think, you know, your, your, is your negotiation going on has anything to do with negotiating with Congress? Because if you're going to come forward and, and put out this particular information, you're looking for a deal. The problem is it doesn't look like anybody in the department of justice truly wants to investigate Hunter Biden because what you'd be looking for is to flip Devin Archer and, you know, he's facing a, a year in jail is saying, OK, you testify against Hunter and you don't do the jail time. Well, and, you know, there's the, you know, blue whale pod in the living room. And that's the fact that we have a Justice Department that is clearly covering for the president. And so does Devin Archer even believe that 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 there is anything, uh, uh, you know, I said uh, goodwill, I meant good faith, but um, any any act of, uh, you know, good faith here that might help uh, himself uh, or is it or is it just the opposite? I don't want to get into the weeds here of talking to Congress because something I say might be added to the case, might make it actually worse for me. And that would be my concern if I'm his lawyer. If I'm his lawyer, <laughs> we're not, you know, we're not coming uh, uh, to, you know, we're not coming forward this weekend. We're going to take as much time as we can to make sure the client is prepped to make sure oh. he does not uh, further incriminate himself. I know what he might be negotiating with Congress. Hmm. The scope of the questions he will answer. Oh, that's if, if, if that's I'm, a, if, yeah. Well, if I'm not going to take the fifth, if I can't, if I'm not going to take the fifth, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to. If if you bring me in with no conditions, I'm taking the fifth. But if you only ask questions that won't incriminate me, but are going after Hunter and Joe Biden, then I'll answer those questions. Yeah, that I'm would, not. Um... I'm not going to incriminate myself. In, in in any more possible crimes, I'll let you know what Hunter did 
But I would like to, the, I could see if I'm being the lawyer, I'd want the questions related to Hunter without his name coming up. Man, you're walking out on a very thin limb if you do that. Because you have to assume that every lawmaker on that, GOP lawmaker on that committee, is going to abide by that to the letter. And, you know, you don't want to start answering questions, then all of a sudden one, you know, lawmaker decides they're going to make a moment for themselves or or for whatever reason, Mm -hmm. you know, they're going to go another direction and then all of a sudden you're you're in a corner. I, I think you either decide that you're going to plead the fifth or you're not. Because my again, my my, it, I would think their greatest concern for his attorneys would be that he would make his case worse, that he's going to make it worse for himself. By and, and this applies to any time that there is. All right, now now Congress can give. I just looked it up. Mm-hmm. Congress can grant criminal immunity at the federal level mm. to witnesses in exchange for testifying. Okay. That would have to be divulged, by the way, you know, so that would have to be known. The moment he starts talking, we would know that. They'll announce it in the opening statement. So because granting immunity to him means he does it, it, it doesn't save him from the charges he already has. But but anything it, that he says cannot further incriminate him. Right. Because remember, if he's if he's in the room with Hunter mm-hmm. and Joe, and not through him but everybody else, the enterprise committed bribery, right? Because there's a conspiracy, right? Isn't he a part of it? And yeah. wouldn't you want immunity from that? I I would <clears throat> want every bit of protection if that is available. Right. Every bit so, of protection that is available. So you're what you're offering him mm-hmm. is not to reduce anything of a crime he's been committed with now, mm-hmm. but you're simply saying you get the immunity, which is done all the time. Yeah, on the on the federal level, you get the immunity from future crimes because it's the pre- we're Congress and we're looking at a compromised president. That's what we want. We actually don't care about you. We actually don't care about Hunter Biden. Well, and Congress can look at it this way and in that they kind of, you know, the charges that are already there uh, are going to be punishment enough. And it will serve the, the people for for him to be given such immunity uh, from further prosecution on on anything else. So what was in Hunter's lawyer's water pipe? Weed. <laughs> Weed. The only reason I think it's not is because he knew he was doing it in who would sit out when you're Hunter Biden's lawyer and do a bong. Uh, the You know, the hookah bars, you know, not so much in the States, but hookah bars with different types of tobacco, not weed. Yeah, have been popular for a long time in other cultures. That's not that's not unique. And they're, and they're typically outdoors. They're, it's like an outdoor cafe oh, okay. kind of okay. thing, and typically it is outdoors. And it's a 
you know, and other cultures, you other parts of the world, you see it. It's it's a regular thing. I mean, it's it's like a it's like a cigar shop. It's I like did, a I did not know that. Bar. I'm not an aficionado yeah. on water pipes. Yeah. yeah, or what or what they're. What they're smoking in water pipes today? Well, I, that I don't know. Uh, but there was I mean, an interesting documentary. Uh, it goes back a few years, really? actually. Yeah, they're, they're they're wasting their lungs on tobacco. I don't I don't know what <laughs> if it's if it's the same type of tobacco or if it's something else. It's not weed. It's not a okay. drug because the nations, the countries that that uh, where this is popular, do not tolerate legal drug use it does seem a waste of good lung space if you're going to damage your lungs yeah why not right I mean, if you're going to really damage your lungs don't you want to buzz well if you're living in a part of the world where air pollution is damaging there's more smoke in the air naturally than there is coming out of the hookah pipe what do you care right <laughs> yeah. oh i forgot about the climate change argument yeah too. well I'm sorry I mean, if I'm, no, I, just the particulate <laughs> matter you know you see the the the, the uh the, the smog and then air pollution in in India and China and other parts of the world it's like you might be cleaning your lungs if you smoke something else <laughs> eight six six ninety red eye hi I'm Jen Loomis a transport safety expert at JJ Keller and I'm here to share a tip on compliance safety accountability compliance safety accountability or CSA is the FMCSA safety compliance and enforcement program. Its goal is to hold motor carriers and drivers accountable for highway safety and to reduce crashes, injuries, and fatalities on our roads. CSA does this by assessing the safety performance of motor carriers and drivers based on data collected during roadside inspections, crash reports, and FMCSA investigations. Based on the data that is compiled, motor carriers are assigned a score. The carrier is then grouped with other carriers who have had a similar number of safety events. Carrier scores within the group are then ranked to determine intervention priority. Low scores are better, so carriers with the highest scores are those that are most likely to be targeted for intervention by the FMCSA. Interventions range in severity and may include warning letters, roadside, off-site, or on-site inspections, civil penalties, or operation out-of-service orders. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller & Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. I wish, you know, I like being outside the Beltway. You know, you and I have yeah. talked about this before. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I like it. I, I I like the fact that the the show that we have, you know, we're, we're, we're on Westwood One, a great company, great affiliates all across the country. Mm-hmm. But I'm just, I'm so glad, I'm so happy that we're based in, in in Texas, first off, because taxes are lower. Uh, and then, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and then because you're not you don't ever feel like you're in the 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 bubble of the beltway but right. i miss it yeah. right now because yeah. Yeah. i would love to 
I would love to know if there's if you work in the media there, even if you're a conservative talk show host. Mm-hmm. Probably our great friends at WMAL would be able to tell us. Oh is, yeah, I mean, is there is is there like a is can you feel have have things changed over the last couple of weeks? I'd love to ask that, Larry O'Connor that. Yes, yeah, has, has there been a shift in the sentiment? Does it seem inside the Beltway there's been a shift in the sentiment about this whole thing with Hunter and Joe Biden? Because it feels like there has been from outside the Beltway. Yeah, and but I again, it's more the audio that we see and the reaction. But I just wonder right. if you're yeah. when right. you're in there and you know, even if. Even if you don't associate with everybody, you sort of have the feel and you know the different people. Right. And yeah. you just, you know, you have, yeah. the, you have the feel. You, you may see the blogs. You may be Facebook, friend, you know, friends, right. social media friends with them. And so you, you sense it. But I just, I wonder if, and I just, when McCarthy said yesterday, you know, an impeachment inquiry, mm-hmm. just even mentioned it. Yeah. I went, well, this has gone right up to the top. M- McCarthy isn't somebody who's going to say something like that. Right. Right off the cuff. Yeah, that, it, that, it's well, and and because and it may sound cheesy and it sometimes is, but the Speaker of the House has to kind of refrain from going that direction. You have your bulldogs and your pit bulls that do that kind of work uh, for the party. You don't always have to go there. And in fact, you can look back at Nancy Pelosi. Oh, no impeachment, no impeachment, no impeachment, no impeachment. The Trump phone call with Zelensky. Oh, we're definitely going for impeachment. Oh. But, but I mean, you got Nancy out there in the Sunday morning news shows. Mm-hmm. Oh, he, you know, Biden is such a wonderful president, done just incredible. No. I mean, gaslighting to the point of gaslighting like we've never seen. Yeah. I mean, it's just because there's no repercussions for her any longer. She doesn't have to worry about, you know, being, uh, and, being the speaker, and and I can't really when I, when I look, for example, at at Watergate. Now let's look at this. Remember mm-hmm. when Trump? Every you got to the you would think based on the media, the mainstream media coverage of it, that every week in the first three years they had Trump. No, it was one you, thing it, after the other, right? But you you could you could feel it. Yeah. there was like a pressure, and many Republicans were going, "Oh, do they have him? Do they have him?" Yeah. Do they have them do right. that? Because right. they didn't know what the, you know, because the Democrats, you had Adam Schiff out there saying, we got him. We've got the evidence. It's yeah. there. Right. Republicans, oh, my God, if the evidence there, he's he's screwed, which would be the normal, which would be the normal kind of conversation and back and forth that you would you would see. And so, yeah, you've got Fox covering it. But when you've got so much of the media really cover, you know, not covering it, and if they are covering it. Saying, well, this is more of a Hunter Biden thing, and mm-hmm. well, you know, the president saying that this is unfounded or whatever, mm-hmm. and so you you look at that is probably a a closer example of how the media reacts when, well, they didn't have anything, but they want to promote as if they have something. Watergate, for example, became big and was huge, but it wasn't for a long, long time because it was only the Washington Post covering it. Right, but now, over right. the last couple of weeks with everything, in my mind, it's like, they've got to be panicking like crazy, but I don't have that feel because I'm not there. Right.
giving you 70% each night. Eric Harley and Gary McNamara on Red Eye Radio. In Red Eye Radio, he's Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. You know, we, we had mentioned Kevin McCarthy talking about an impeachment inquiry, and that's one of the reasons is, and I want to play this audio cut here from, uh, this is uh, America Reports, uh, and you had Jonathan Turley on there, Fox News contributor and George Washington University law professor, talk about, hmm, you know, we mentioned McCarthy, mentioned uh, impeachment. Well, as Turley says here, bribery is actually listed. Uh, That's why you impeach. Yeah. Bribery is in there. Yeah. yeah. Here we go. So, Professor, if Devin Archer does give a deposition to the House Oversight Committee, as James Comer believes he will, perhaps this week, uh, President Biden may have some explaining to do. Well, this could not be more serious, John, because you also have a respected source of the FBI uh, saying that there was evidence, at least from a person in Ukraine, uh, suggesting that there were bribes given uh, indirectly to the president uh, through his family members. Uh, Now, we still have to establish the validity of these claims, but bribery is the second crime mentioned in the impeachment clause. I mean, whenever you see that word... Uh, it raises very serious implications for a sitting president. And what's really troubling, John, is that these denials by the president were not only made when he was running for the presidency, but have continued during the presidency, including uh, being repeated by White House staff. That makes this a problem of his presidency. So we're, we're, we're getting into an area now that really could not be more serious. You know, uh, Corrine Jean-Pierre, we mentioned uh, uh, earlier, uh, and I believe we uh, played the uh, audio cut. In fact, I have it here again to uh, play, was asked this specific question. Here we go. Uh, Chairman James Comer today says that the Oversight Committee, excuse me, has evidence that the president in the past communicated directly with foreign business associates of his son Hunter Biden many times curious if the White House and the president still stand behind his comment that he's never been involved and has never even uh, spoken to his son about his business. So I've been, I've been asked this question a million times. The answer is not going to change. The answer remains the same. The president ha- was never in business with his son. I just don't have anything else to add. You notice how she didn't answer the entire question. She said the president was never in business with her son. That's not what she had says, has said consistently since she's been on that podium and asked that question. She has said that the president never spoke to his son about his business. You know, we've said that she uh, has looked uh, lately at at times, she's looked very tired and she probably is because she's moving a massive goalpost, it seems, uh, at least once a week. And this is, again, one of those moves. They're acting like they never said anything different, right? Than what they're saying and, today, and that's what she's. Yeah, and she's. I've answered the question a million times. No, you haven't. No, you haven't. No. Nope. No. And, that's and and I because would, because that was a that was a two prong question. She's right. never been asked that two prong question. Yeah, you haven't answered this question many times, right? And she you, still. What you have said in the past is. And and who's the guy that always goes back and forth with Kirby? And then he will stop him and just engage and go, no, no, no. What you said was, and this is what you're saying oh, now. That's not at the normal press conference. No, no, no. That's no. at the State Department. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And was, yeah, the guy from Associated Press. Yeah, and he's so good at that, and that's what I would do there at the White House. Yeah. No, 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 no. That's not what you said. What you said was, and I'd bring the quotes, stop playing around. Stop playing around. Well, that's where I'm, I'm going to let's play more of this interview with Turley here because Turley talks about the fact that, you know, that the, he believes the media is panicking because we were asking that question. We're not in the beltway, so mm-hmm. we don't have that same feel if they're they're panicking. I sense they have to be based on the fact that they've been in collusion with this White House uh, not to report the truth, to cover up the truth, to censor. You know, they're part of the problem. If the president goes down on this, there's going to be Republicans. You're going to be pounding on the media. You refuse. You hid. You covered for this president. If it goes this way, you covered for a president taking bribes. And I have a feeling that you'll have a lot of the conservative media point specifically to certain uh, mainstream media Mm -hmm. and pound on it Mm -hmm. over and over and over again. Mm And so will Republicans. Yeah. You know, I can see, always remember, whatever, this this media outlet lied to you, tried to hide from you Mm -hmm. that the president took bribes and they were okay with it. It's an opportunity, political opportunity for the Republicans and the conservative media to pound and really attempt to discredit even more, it might be hard to do, but even discredit more the mainstream media because this was hiding bribes. We'll see if that happens. But Jonathan Turley talked more uh, about that when he was on uh, and answering questions on Fox News Channel's America's Report. Here we go. Here's more. You know, Jonathan, when you take a look at how the media at large is treating this and, and Democrats, it would seem a lot of people are really kind of bending over backwards here to discredit this whole investigation. Listen to this little montage. This is the reality of the Republican investigation into the so-called Biden crime family. It's seemingly riddled with stunts and conspiracies. To reference the hearing. What a ridiculous clown show. I wonder after this plea happens if you would advise your party to move on. No, I wouldn't, Margaret. This is not just any person. This is the son of the president of the United States. You know, the hotter this thing gets, it seems the more shrill Democrats are becoming in trying to make the whole thing go away. Well, I think that's true, John. I think that there is almost a panic setting in with the media. They all want to move on because the alternative is to recognize one of the most significant corruption scandals in modern history. But it's something that the media played a role in suppressing. So they want everyone to move on, but that's just not going to happen. The evidence is mounting. And you had these two whistleblowers testify in Congress, and you'll notice the Democratic members asked very little about their specific allegations. And it's because they have been reduced in the amount of maneuvering room by this evidence. They didn't want to trip any wires. When one of them, Representative uh, Dan Goldman from New York, tried, he ended up demolishing the Biden defense in less than five minutes. He got the witness to confirm that Joe Biden did, in fact, speak to his son about business dealings. Uh, so they're all in a position that they're hoping this will move on. But the public and more importantly, these committees are just not moving on. 
And it's interesting when he said not just the committees but the public, and this is based on the polls that have showed that the majority of Americans, even I think 37%, and this is going back a couple of weeks before the FD-1023 FD came out, before the whistleblowers, all of this still, you had the majority of Americans uh, believe that this administration is corrupt. Yeah. And right. and and I think it was, was it 37% of Democrats at that point? So there's a huge problem here. And it's almost... You know, it's it's isn't it the same thing here as it is the economy? The Democrats talking about the economy yeah. and how incredibly wonderful yeah. it is. Yeah. Like stop gaslighting, stop gaslighting, stop it, stop it, stop it. And the same thing here. But the public isn't buying it. So it's not going away. And for McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker of the House, to talk about an impeachment inquiry, which I really wondered whether they would bring that up or whether they would just lay out all the evidence first. But for him to bring it up, especially knowing how hesitant he is to jump the gun on anything, to me, I just, I sit back and say the Republicans believe, a significant portion of the Republicans believe they have the evidence that gets Biden. After McCarthy said that the other day, and, and I don't know whether they do. I what I'm saying is I believe they believe they do. Right. Right. Well, McCarthy would be one of the last to fall in line, essentially, or or to be saying that it's not that he's not falling in line. It's just that he knows there's a consensus or there's not a consensus. There's clearly now with him saying that either he completely spoke out of turn or there is a growing consensus which is something you picked up on at least a week ago. Yeah, I just, uh, the, my sense was just there that they were like, we got him. Yeah. You know, that was. Well, and, 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 so, and by the way, a lot of it's just, a, you know, a lot of this, you know, when we look at a lot of things, when we when we sit there and go, okay, this is what we sense is going on. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with the, uh, the, the woman, and remember the child abduction, mm-hmm. that story, I can't think of her name right now. Yeah. And it was like, you and I said, like the day after that happened, we said, this story doesn't make any sense. And now she's admitted. She's admitted it was a it's, hoax. It was yeah. all a hoax. And you and I said, "Man, nah, this, 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 this doesn't, something's wrong here. Not sure what it is, but something is wrong here. And now we know yep. she's confessed yep. that it was a complete uh, hoax. There's just something that you can, you know, sometimes we just sense. And we tell you it. We're up front. We're not saying it's slam dunk or anything like that. But there's just a, a great sense. And part of it is based on the evidence that exists today where, and you see many cases you don't have, you don't have the evidence that comes from somebody's laptop. You don't have the evidence that you have of the business associates. You don't have the SARS reports, the suspicious activity reports, which is the banks uh, believing that, uh, that uh, uh, money laundering is going on, you know, through their bank accounts. And so they reported to the treasury department. You don't have the fact that you've got the tie-ins, you have connected the dots of the money trail to nine of the Bidens. Because it really doesn't matter whether Biden took money himself or not, or got things done. We know that's one of the allegations. He got things done around his house. It's still a bribe if if uh, Biden was part of the 
uh, you know, the behavior to get a bribe. It doesn't matter whether he gets the money or gives it to his family. It doesn't make the bribe is the action of ex- attempting to, you know, threaten somebody, either threaten somebody or tell them this is the deal. You do this. You give me this and I'll get you that. Action in exchange for any consideration. Right. And the consideration would be, I, well, no, I don't, maybe I don't want to make myself rich, but I'll make my whole family rich. Mm-hmm. Right. It's still against the law. Right. And so you don't need the direct money trail to Biden, which may be complicated to get, but they should be able to they should be able to get very close to it, I would assume. Would you not to? Yeah. That that, yeah. that that there were goods and there may have been goods and services that he received and not the cash itself. Right. Yeah. Which would be money laundering depending. Uh goods not so much. Well, I mean, services, not maybe not so much, but if something was changed into like a delivery of goods. Yeah, right. Okay. You could, You're it wouldn't, the money. It wouldn't right. be a stretch to find that to be money laundering. Yeah. For example, if you found like a Corvette in the garage. Right. A green Corvette. Convertible. A beach house. A hookah pipe. <laughs> I don't even know how much they're worth. <laughs> Neither do I. I don't know. I don't know. I, but it related to our last conversation. Well, if you were listening, that's whether, what made it funny. Whether your son's attorney got it or you got it, it really doesn't make any difference. <laughs> when you when you tell a joke and I have to explain it, it may not be working out as well as we think. I don't care. I still I still think it's funny. I just like when you said hookah. Yeah, eight six six ninety red eye. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. You. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara. One funny headline. At least it was funny to me when I read it, and it was in Breitbart, and it said uh, it was about Peter Schweitzer being on Fox News the other day, and, and uh, the headline is on Breitbart, Dems won't be able to deny Joe Biden's role in Hunter's deals after Archer testifies, and you and I had the same response. Yes, they will. Yeah, they will. <laughs> You've been paying attention? They deny everything. They've been denying reality for a long, long time. A long, long time. <laughs> Come on, Peter. You can do better than that. What you mean is anyone with any ounce of reason yes. <laughs> won't be able to deny it. You can't include the Democrats. Right now you can't. No. no. <laughs> oh, they won't be able to deny it. Watch them. Sit back and make some popcorn, because, yeah, they will. <laughs> the term, they do it all the time. The term is gaslight. Yeah. Yeah, they do it all the time. When they know they're lying, they know that you know they're lying. Mm-hmm. You know that they know that you know that they're lying. And they still lie. And they want everyone to believe, like, well, th- th- this is just normal. This is Everybody knows it. It's just a fact as they spew the lies.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.